everybody. Uh, welcome to episode three of the Fraud Boxer podcast. Uh, I am very fortunate today to be joined by Mr. Frank Turner. Uh, he spent some time at Ikata uh, and is now the uh, vice president of data science over at Chargebacks 911. So hi, Frank. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me today. Hey, it's uh, it's good to have you on as a guest. You know, I've done a couple of panels with you. It's been pretty enjoyable. Um, we've had a good time. We've had a, it's been wow, it's been a whole year that we've done these panels. Uh, we did one the same one twice, but kind of a different one. We were over in Miami, uh, spent some time uh, at poolside. You know, just getting to relax and uh, talking about the panel that we're about to do. Um, we had a really nice dinner at that, that restaurant. Do you remember that one restaurant name? What was that thing? Oh yeah. New kitchen, man. It was uh completely unassuming, uh, in Miami on just like the, the weirdest street that you'd think of, uh, you're going to get murdered. Were, <laughs> all the shops were gated up. And, uh, I remember the, the guy in the restaurant had a beanie on that said, Pata, go fuck yourself. Oh, that's right. And he was like wearing overalls, or was that the other guy that was wearing the overalls? And like, uh, no, I was like, wearing overalls. Yeah. I was like, what are we getting into? Like, why are we eating here? Like, I thought it was just going to be like literally like hot pockets heated up on a plate. But <laughs> right. that's, that's going to be like a top five restaurant for me of all time. Like, oh, it was it's so a, good. It was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. We didn't even order anything, we just told them to bring stuff out, and they brought just the best uh, assortment of little finger foods. Um, that was, it was it was fantastic, and the wine was something else too. Uh, yeah, those were we like, like those wine- super small batch wines, like right, like yeah. We had a yeah, we had a, a total wine guy with us, and he had to cry uh, cry uncle because he didn't know what to order because it was just you know very uh, unique stuff. It was great. That was a uh, such a good meal, man. Like that that was like I thought we for sure were gonna get murdered, and it turned up being like a ex- experience of a lifetime there. So. Super happy we got to do that in uh, good old Miami. And, you know, I shaved my head for that trip just because I thought it was going to be, like, super humid. And it was, like, just perfectly fine weather the whole time we were there. Great, great weather. <laughs> awesome trip. So let's talk a little bit about you, man. Um, where you've been, how you got here, uh, the whole the whole thing. I think data science is something that's really appealing to a lot of people right now because we keep hearing data science uh, be a word. We keep hearing machine learning, AI, and they're all kind of the same thing. You know, everybody has to have uh, machine learning is something on something on something, but uh, I don't think people really quite understand what it is. And I think that's why people get away with, with calling things machine learning and saying they have data science, but there actually is a science to data and what you do with it. So let's talk about that. Um, let's let's start all the way back. Um, I believe that you went to Colorado State University, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah. I studied uh, electrical engineering and that was because uh... You know, back when I when I started, I just Googled what is the highest paying undergraduate degree. Uh, and uh, <laughs> number one was petroleum engineering. We didn't have that at Colorado State. Number two was electrical engineering. So that's where I went. Are you from Colorado um, originally? Yeah, yeah. I grew up there. Grew up in a little town called Littleton, south of Denver. Okay, yeah. Uh, they were on the news once. Um, yep. The I saw, I was like, I just kept doing my research, what I do on this thing, that you had uh, built some devices uh, after that, like that, like or self perpetually powered or something. What's that was really interesting. I didn't know that about you. Uh, self perpetually powered. So, yeah. So, uh, uh, I'm, I built a few things. Um, are you referring to uh, college or after? I, I don't know because it was just like on your little list of experiences, and that I was like, yeah, yeah. There's like some so, wave wave thing or something that you did. Oh yeah. So, so I worked at the uh, Center for Extreme Ultraviolet uh, Lasers. 
um, in college. That we was, can't like, just gloss internship. over this part of your history, man. This is, <laughs> that's like evil scientist shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was just like, I, I thought, you know, studying lasers was going to be like a really cool thing. So that's, that's what I did. It turns out you have to be really, really smart and go to a lot more school to actually get a job doing that. So you're just like um, the guy in the, in the thing building the thing? Is that what it ended up being or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, you know, lear- learning from the people that knew all the stuff. And, uh, you know, I got to CNC some stuff, make some crystals. Uh, but I built a, uh, um, I built like a control box for this power supply that ran this like extreme ultraviolet lasers. Lasers are, lasers are super cool. Um, I may make a deviation, but. Uh, hey, this is what one, we want to do here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the lasers that, uh, you know, that we had in that facility, uh, they took this like this tube uh, that was made of uh, like ceramic. They filled it with argon and then they wrapped a wire around it a bunch of times. And when you put enough voltage through that wire, it created a magnetic magnetic field that stripped all the valence electrons, all the outer electrons uh, from the argon uh, and turned it into neon and you shine a laser through it. Um, and it was so powerful that it actually raised the DC voltage of the building by like 50 volts. Um, what? Yeah, why, is, cool why are we not talking about this, man? Well, <laughs> well it's funny. And let me talk about this. I may have this theme The whole later, building? The whole building, yeah. It was a big, big building with like a CNC machine and everything. And the, that power supply was grounded. Um, it was some cool stuff. Wow. That... I like stories like that. That's cool. We're going to need to talk more about that at some point offline uh, when we had a couple of drinks. Uh, yeah. So after that, like um, I saw you, you did some, some of the general assembly courses um, that used to be like a co-working space, I believe in New York or something over there for a while. Then they started offering some courses. Mostly those yeah. things are, are to, um, to like corporations, you know, to try and train staff and everything, but it looks like you went to data science. So let's talk about that one a little bit and then we'll go into the data science. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, after, after, after school, I went and did, um, uh, work with kind of as a, a field field engineer uh, with electronic test and measurement company. Um, and I was working out of Dallas for, for a long time and I didn't love Dallas a whole lot, but it was a good, it was a place for good opportunity. And um, you know, when I realized that, you know, my worth uh, my worth in that industry wasn't about what I knew, it was about really who I knew. And that was kind of it. Mm. Um, and who I knew was a bunch of people in Dallas and I didn't want to live there. Uh, it was, uh, it was time to, you know, kind of make a change. And so I actually, uh, quit a really good paying job with a really good situation. Uh, you had a company car and company cell phone, um, and was doing really well. Um, but, uh, but really just quit. I was just learning about data science. Like a lot of people, I didn't really know what it was. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I knew that you had to be, you know, good at math and, uh, you know, you had to have some business acumen to do well at it. I'm like, okay, that's me. I can make this work. And I just fell in love with Seattle. So uh, my <laughs> wife and I both quit our jobs um, and and uh, moved to Seattle uh, without like anything. That. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, 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 planned, we planned on it a little bit. But yeah, I think our, our work was shocked because we just put in two weeks notice. Uh, but it was all centered around, our timing was centered around the start date um, at a, a coding boot camp called General Assembly, um, which was a great decision, met some, met some awesome people. Um, I wouldn't be working at Akata if it weren't for them. Uh, the person that introduced me to Akata uh, was actually a classmate that was like, I don't really want this job, but I know someone who'd be really good at it. Um, Excellent. And called, called me up. So and Yeah, so, uh, you, so you went straight to Akata? Or you, or you, did you go straight to Akata from there? Uh, no, I worked at Amazon for a little bit. Um, it was like a contract worked, thing or something, wasn't it? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a contract thing. And, um, you know, I think it would have uh, transitioned into full-time work. 
Got um, it. But, you know, I kind of realized in that time that I didn't want to be someone that just like sat in a room with the same people working on the same problem um, for six months and then moving on to another problem that I'd spend six months on um, over and over. Uh, you know, I really wanted to work on something with a variety uh, where I could, you know, kind of see a variety of different problems and solve those. So then you then you went to Akata. What was you, you were there for a little while, weren't you? A couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I was there for um, three years and four months, which seems to be a theme. Um, my you know, previous two jobs, I was there for three years and four months. Uh, awesome. So but don't uh, don't, but, don't tell chargebacks that you know. <laughs> right. I just started. Well, well, I do think actually, like you know, when you're thinking about your work, you should always be thinking about your next job. Um, you're always going to do better with a variety of experiences. Um, and, and yeah. So you know, change is healthy. Yeah, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. Like, it, it comes up a lot. I think we'll address it a little bit right now. You know, I've I've heard even just recently, just industry chatter about myself that like, oh, I, I jump jobs, you know, and but that served me well because I've got to play in all the sandboxes, all the tools. I get to use all the tools. I see the different schemes. If I just stayed in one vertical for 25 years, you know, I would never get to see how refunds of use is affecting an e-commerce thing or how money transfer the problems that those people face. And I think that learning that and learning the new tools is like so valuable in, in the long run. And I think that it's, it's really helped me get to where I am today. Uh, myself and we can talk about that a little more later uh yeah yeah you know (laughs) yeah and and so yeah akata got bought um by mastercard for 850 million dollars uh that's a couple of bucks (laughs) yeah it's a little bit uh that was back in june 2021 and uh, akata does um identity verification um a lot of times you know i think the main use case for that is fighting fraud um and uh uh you know it's funny they they have a uh i think the product that is most valuable for them is their machine learning score. And that entire thing is trained off of uh, outcomes provided to them by their customers. You know, like for, for machine learning, you know, how you train machine learning is you, is you have, you have tags that you have to do. So you have to say this, yeah. this transaction, basically this outcome, and then you, you train the model to reference those tags while it's well learning. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so we would have to depend on our customers to provide us those outcomes in order to build this model that is essentially worth $850 million, right? Yeah. Um, and what really excited me about chargebacks when I met the, uh, the founder, Monica, um, was that they have all the chargebacks data, right? Um, and so That's a good point. Initially, <laughs> initially, when I met her, I was saying, oh, I'd like to buy some of that from you. Um, because if we know, you know, the kind of these outcomes and these verdicts, um, then, you know, that's going to make the Akata model much more valuable. Um, and what ended up happening from that was, uh, you know, I don't really want to sell you that data, but actually I do want to hire you because that's a good idea. I want to buy you from them instead of you buy data from me. (laughs) Right. And so, uh, yeah. And so that's kind of, that's kind of how, uh, that's kind of how I got here. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. you've been there for a couple of months now. So you're, you're actually in Florida right now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm in in Florida. It's warm. It is. Uh, so I still live in Seattle. Um, and, uh, uh, I'm commuting basically every other week or two weeks on, two weeks off, uh, and uh, uh, you know meeting with the teams here, but um, you know otherwise working remote when I can, uh, because you know as I said before, you know I, I risked a lot and sacrificed a lot to get to Seattle. I'm not you know, kind of not moving on a whim. Yeah, yeah. I was actually yeah, I was just up in Portland this last weekend, and I unfortunately I'm going to have to go back for uh, some bereavement leave this weekend again. So. Um, a lot of lot of Northwest time. I hadn't been up there in like about five years. My family's still up there. Uh, yeah. but well, the, you know, it's, not it's a, nice. The, 
I'm sorry for the circumstances, but there's not a better time to be in the Pacific Northwest than middle of summer. It, it was gorgeous. perfect. It was ab- it was like 75, usually sunny. It was like the absolute – because you know there's like no humidity. It's just like the right amount of humidity. Like I could see for miles. Mount Hood was there. We're driving up to the Portland airport. We could see uh, – you could see Mount St. Helens. And if you could see Mount St. Helens when you're driving up like the, the 205 or as they call it, just 205, uh, you can it, – it's a, it's a clear day. So – I mean, I'm happy to be able to go back and spend some more time up there because it was kind of a quick in and out thing this time, but I'll spend a little more time up there now. But I understand, like, you know, if you have a place that you really like, like, I mean, I personally like L.A., but you don't want to leave it. And I think that that's a really cool thing that we're having like with these options, like like the companies that, like, Chargebacks 911 that, that, like, get it, you know, where, like, there's remote options available. Like, I can call you into the office, have you come hang out with the guys for a couple of days or girls, sorry, I mean, don't assume genders or any of that. But come hang out with the folks for a couple of days. Uh, it's it's a very useful place, and you can get some really top talent if you have some flexibility. So, yeah. So, how big's your team? Oh, my team. I am a team of one. Oh, um, that's a hell is, of a vice presidency there, <laughs> right? It's there. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think my job here uh, is really going to be developing a strategy for you know how we do monetize our data. Um, sell, selling data, like selling chargebacks, like I think I was describing to Monica. Um, uh, was, is easy to do, right. But not super exciting. Um, and you can do a lot more, um, if you do more than just match a, uh, a transaction to an outcome for someone else, right. You want to take those transactions with those outcomes and you want to provide some analytics, some extra information, um, on really any transaction. And that can be, that can be extremely valuable, you know, across the board. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, so many people just do at their companies take, this was a bad order, so these are bad accounts, you know, and everything. But there is, there's stuff that you can glean from there. Like, okay, there's larger things. This is a ring, you know, what's coming on, what's going on in the country or the, the country that's coming from. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the things that I see a lot, especially in e-commerce, is um, you can use chargeback data to determine if you're having breakdowns in certain sections of your business, whether that be shipping, whether that be quality control, um, mm-hmm. you can actually find real information that, that isn't just related to fraud, you know, so we're so focused in this fraud industry on trying to prevent fraud chargebacks, but there is that whole half of chargebacks that are non-fraud and those can tell you a little bit about your business. Sometimes there's people being a dick, but the, there are still some useful nuggets of information in there. What do you, do you have any opinions about that or thoughts about that? Yeah. Yeah. And this is actually an interesting way, uh, you know, kind of an interesting transition working at Akato, you know, Providing that data is about preventing the chargeback from ever occurring. Uh, chargebacks 911 helps companies solve the problem after that chargeback happens, right? Um, about 80% of chargebacks um, are friendly fraud. Um, it's not the uh, criminal fraud that uh, uh, that we all know, are trying fear. to stop every day. Like that, right? That, what, what, what we are so focused on, there is yep. a lot of good in that bad. <laughs> There's a lot of good in that bad, exactly. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, m- mainly like with, with the chargebacks happen is just, you know, e- either a schmuck that, uh, is just like, you know, he's going to go buy some stuff at target and then say he didn't do it. Um, or, you know, someone that got, you know, someone that bought something that they, uh, that wasn't a good product, right. They didn't get what they bought. Um, and instead of calling the company, they're just going to say, Hey, let's, let's do a chargeback. Um, chargebacks can be very expensive for companies. So even like if that's your, if me, trying to get a refund, I'm just going to do a chargeback because that's the easiest thing. Um, you know, right away, uh, the card schemes are taking, can take a ton of money from you, both from the issuing side and the acquiring side. 
um, the acquiring being the merchant. Um, and, uh, you know, right away, just like for the just for the pleasure of having the chargeback, you have to pay fees. Those fees can be, you know, 40 bucks. Um, and then you have to pay back the, uh, uh, the without even knowing. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. without, uh, they, they just take the money out of your they straight deduct that from your uh, yep. <laughs> and, put, and put it and put it in the issuing account. Um, and so not there's a lot there's a lot of companies that uh, uh, just don't even bother don't even bother fighting it until it's a problem that's big enough that they have to solve. They're so focused on growth that they're um, not even going to fight those, those disputes. Um, and so, uh, you know, one of the things that chargebacks chargebacks does kind of the main thing um, is uh, uh, you know, help these customers fight these disputes uh, because all you have to do is provide a little bit of documentation um, have the right, you know, have the right forms on your website to make sure that, you know, people are opting into the right thing. Um, and you can win a large amount of those uh, with pretty low effort. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's, you're right. You know, there's a lot of companies that like, that, that say it's cost of doing business, you know, chargebacks are just, they're going to cut. And, and there's, there's a little bit of truth to that. I mean, it's not like, you don't have to write it off as a cost of mm-hmm. doing business, but chargebacks are a cost of doing business in the form that they will exist. Now, what you mm-hmm. do with those determines how much that cost is of doing the yep. business. So if you try to represent those, um, you're going to win some, you know, as long as you have the mm-hmm. right information. And, and, and of course, the, the issuers are very picky um, about how you approach that data. There's, there's companies out there that help. You guys are one of those companies where you have the relationships with the issuers. You have the relationships with the processors. Uh, you understand the ins and outs of the disputes. So so people that might not have the, the ability to have a full-fledged team dedicated to fighting chargebacks like I used to have at my previous company or other companies before um, can benefit from, from those win rates by just outsourcing it to you guys, paying a fee, paying a cut, whatever, whatever you, you agree. Um, you know, I'm, I've used you guys in the past. I've had some pretty good success with you guys in the past. And I, I learned some pretty good information going back to what I was even saying earlier is I've learned that we were having some quality assurance issues uh, with some products that we were manufacturing over in China, but we were using drop shipping. Uh, so we didn't even really know, you know, and nobody was really calling in or maybe there was not the, the appropriate amount of attention to those call-ins, but we were able to see, Hey, you know, on this particular product, we're seeing, you know, a higher than usual, non-fraud rate coming in and that's i mean that was that's my data science that's how i was doing data science i was using Excel, you know but like little things like that so i mean what are some of the things in data science that like that you really use and how do you use it and you know like probably math and and all that stuff yeah so let's i mean i'll tell you about my favorite thing and actually the first thing that you described and something that that chargebacks 911 does really well already and something i've been very impressed with is really the analytics that they provide for for their merchants um and also the issuing banks um to, so that you can really identify those things um uh, one of the first thing like one is just like data visualization you're using excel um, you might have these charts uh that are available to you data visualization is the great way to get intuition um from your data um, and so, you know, that is data science. Making a graph is data science, right? Data science, by the way, is a I very knew I was broad... doing data science. I knew yeah, it. Yeah, you're doing that. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very broad term. A lot of people confuse uh, like data science with like machine learning or with artificial intelligence. Um, data science is kind of a broad term that encompasses all of those things. Um, as a result, I'm not the best at any of them. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's really thinking critically about the data that you have, um, and making decisions based on that data. Um, you know, I think if you can run experiments on your data, if I change, um, if I change how I fight 
these chargebacks um, in a certain way, um, what will be the effect of that, right? And yeah, ask, asking that critically. Um, one thing that you know most people can do, um, uh, you know, if you have any kind of sophistication with any of your databases, if you want to run an A/B test, uh, that sounds really complicated. But all you have to do is make a rule. Um, if the last digit of my transaction ID is is odd, do one thing. If it's even, do another thing. Oh damn, um, bro! Look at you, with little see- tricks, man. These little low cost <laughs> tricks coming in. Yeah, yeah, and just see if those two things are different over time, right? See if you get different outcomes, and that's uh, um, you know, that, that's that's a really simple way to do it. Now, uh, when we t- start talking about big data, um, we start talking about big data, and with algorithms, um, you know, real machine learning, um, you know, that's something that most data scientists really spend a very little amount of time doing, but a lot of time thinking about, right? And so, really, eighty percent of our time is spent just like cleaning data, visualizing data trying to identify those problems. The, the very first step um, in any data science is like, hey, I need to have a question, right? I need to have a business problem I can solve. Um, okay, if I, if, can I improve my chargeback rate um, is usually what uh, the question yeah. I'm trying to answer. Um, At but, least it's, uh, a, it's a single nice, easy goal to work towards, you know? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, and so, uh, you know, you, you have to gather that data um, you know, put, identify what your target variable is and uh, uh, just start doing things with it to, uh, to improve it. Um, if you want to talk about tools, uh, you know, actual tools that, we, that we're using, um, there's a lot of uh, democratiza- democratization in data science that's happening. Um, NumFocus uh, manages like Scikit-Learn, uh, which is a, is a Python programming language. Uh, a lot of data science, especially early on, is done um, in Python. Uh, and uh, the, kind of the, the whole NumFocus um, group uh, or PyData um, really owns a lot of those open source tools uh, and make it really easy to pick up data science. Um, you can look at Kaggle um, if anyone's trying to learn about new algorithms, how they're implemented. Um, but, uh, you know, that, 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 can, that can be useful. Um, you know, one of the things that's really exciting lately, too, um, is, uh, you know, I think initially... We just had like AWS and Databricks to play with, right? Um, and uh, we're seeing, we're starting to see a lot more uh, things coming to come. And you know, Tableau was the BI tool. Yeah. Um, we're seeing a lot of competitors now coming up with uh, um, a lot more interesting tools, um, a lot more things to make make our jobs easier, uh, accessing data easier. Snowflake comes to mind. For yeah. One of these. Snowflake's doing some really interesting things. Uh, like they're 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 really doing some stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's, uh, um, I have like a very narrow view of, uh, of how I, of how I can use them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that we were, we spent some time with them. When we were in Miami too. And they were talking about all the new stuff. I'm like, can I drop a JPEG in the middle of a cell? And they're like, like <laughs> you know, he was saying all these other crazy things that you can do, you know, and like, I just, I don't know yeah, that yeah. stuff. That's what um, I have. That's what I have people like you for. <laughs> right. Well, and I've got I've got my own people uh, as well. You know, I can't do you can't do data science without good data engineering. Um, and really, what Snowflake does is they, uh, when I ask data engineering to do something, um, data engineering will uh, get me that result. You know, and it'll be able to figure solve that problem in a week uh, for cheaper instead of having to do things in you know kind of month time span. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, have to have to be on product roadmap that sort of thing. Yeah, that's nice. The product roadmaps. I mean, that's that's some stuff that like right now I think a lot of companies are probably feeling um, the 
the layoffs that are happening in our industry and across the board right now, you know, are not a fun thing that's happening. So projects are getting pushed, projects are getting canceled. I've had my own projects get canceled. You know, it's not super ideal. Um, it's hard to have those conversations with with vendors too that, that don't quite understand what the, the financial position of, of your company is specifically, you know, that projects that have less priority, you know, are getting like shelved or completely canceled versus those sorts of things. So it's it's weird to see just just getting projects on roadmaps now. I think for the next like couple of years is probably gonna be a lot harder. You're gonna have to really show and demonstrate like a pretty a pretty solid value add and ROI on those. And that's where hopefully data science will come in a little bit or I can prove those ROIs, but we'll see, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and implementing a new data science workflow can, you know, it can be costly. Um, but, uh, um, you know, I think one of the things that uh, at least Chargeback 911, I mean, we're, uh, we're actually busier than ever. Um, and that's because in a recession, fraud goes People charge up. back. <laughs> yeah. Those and uh, our, our, our solutions really plug and play, right? It's, uh, it's very easy to integrate um, and get started, you know, get started with immediately. And, you know, if you're not disputing chargebacks, uh, you know, we will get that money back. Right. And uh, yeah, we think, you know, there's a there's a you know fee that comes with that. But um, it also comes with a bigger, you know, a big, bigger sum of money in your uh, in your in your settlement account. Yeah, that's always nice to see that back in there. That's what, like, you know, we, we do a lot of analysis here at, at iHerb around trying to figure out, like, where our line in the sand is, like where where the, the value is, like if we spend X and it costs us X to do this and we get this back, like, is it really worth it? You know? So we, we're, we're pretty in tune with where things have to be to, to be value. So we can set certain lines in the sand, you know, like, like you were talking earlier about if you build a, a robust enough set of data and like wonderful Excel again, like I could change one thing and it recalculates like an entire sheet for me. So I, I always know exactly how much I'm paying. I've said it before on one of these other podcasts too, that like, I always know exactly how much I'm paying for each transaction. Uh, to, sc- to screen it for fraud, and that includes everything like my bonuses, um, like healthcare, uh, it, all the staff, you know, costs, all the, the tool costs, all the, all the stuff associated with me, how much it costs is all included. So if any of those variables change, I just drop that number and boop, and then I just get a whole new output on there. And I have my goals that I got to keep it. But hopefully, uh, chargebacks is one of them, and chargeback recoveries is another one of those. So hopefully, um, that new sheet will be able to be adjusted pretty soon here. Um, so you're in the new role. Things are going well. A couple of things you're probably working on there. Any, any got a couple of things you could tell me you're working on right now? You're trying to learn or anything? <laughs> oh man, yeah. So it's it's been a short amount of time. Um, so uh, there, there are some projects that I think the most exciting stuff. Uh, actually, I really can't talk about. Um, but uh, you know, it's actually working working with uh, uh, kind of the banks, like the uh, you know the acquirers, um, and helping them solve. Uh, kind of manage the problem so that they can offer the solution to, uh, uh, you know, more of their merchants, even if they have like one or two chargebacks, you know, a month or even a year, um, you know, that we can represent those quickly, um, you know, and offer offer that service and kind of provide the same visualization tools to um, acquiring banks as well. Excellent. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're just learning. Uh, for, me, for me, it's been a lot of learning, figuring out how to talk the talk. Because, um, you know, if you Google... Google data science right now, anybody, um, it's been the same. Uh, if you Google data science, press the image tab, this is, the first image there has been the same for the past five years. Um, it's a Venn no diagram. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm it's doing it right now. <laughs> Do it. Uh, uh, it's a, you'll see a Venn diagram with three circles. Well, you're um, not kidding. Is, is that there? Yep. It's there. <laughs> yeah, and so, it, it, and there's other images after that, right? But that's always the first. 
Um, and it's like, what does it require to be a data scientist? And there's, there's three skills. Uh, there is the, um, you have to know programming, right? You know, you have to know how to do work the tools. Uh, you have to know some math. Uh, you have to know how basic statistics work and you have to have business acumen. Um, and so that's like a big piece that I'm focusing on uh, now, uh, you know, working on pre-chargebacks, uh, well, not really pre-transaction pre fraud uh, versus, uh, you know, kind of post-transaction chargebacks that have already occurred. You know, it's still a whole new world. So I'm, uh, I'm picking up, uh, you know, that business acumen piece of it, trying to, right, right now I'm like a solution uh, looking for a problem uh, with the, with the data go. science stuff. Um, and so what I'm really building out right now is, is a lot of that business acumen. Um, but luckily, you know, the, my founder, uh, Monica, Monica Eaton can't speak highly enough about her. Uh, she's just got really good vision and it's kind of, you know, pushing me in the right direction, making sure that, you know, we're learning the right things, um, so that, uh, we can, uh, you know, kind of push, push this, push this company to the next level. Well, just, uh, as we, uh, start to wrap up here, um, you know, you went through this interview process at an interesting time. Um, you know, obviously people are cutting back on their hiring, hiring freezes, and then even layoffs and reductions in staff. Uh, how, how was the process for you for interviewing right now at this time? Like, did you go through like 50 rounds like everybody's doing or, or was it pretty smooth and easy? Yeah, actually, um, this is actually a really quick process. Um, you know, I think, uh, um, you know, me meeting, meeting the founder was helpful uh, for, you know, she gets what she wants. Um, and, uh, you know, after a few, just a couple conversations with her that I didn't even realize were about interviewing, um, turned into, uh, um, <laughs> so she pre-interviewed you without you realizing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and so, uh, yeah, but basically by the time, um, I realized I was interviewing, they were prepared to make an offer. Um, by the way, I was like, I loved working at MasterCard and I was preparing to kind of be a lifer there. Uh, yeah, that's, when I when we talked, like it was you know we spoke highly of them, so like I I I thought for sure you were going to be. I was a little surprised when uh, well, well yeah. you know, we talked about it a little bit <laughs> beforehand, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, so, yeah, so so yeah, so it was like you know there, there's a lot of great opportunities working there. I mean, they're everywhere. Their reach is massive. Um, you can really it's one of those companies when you work at a big company like that. Uh, there's just a lot of opportunities in a lot of different places. Um, they do a really good job taking care of their employees. Um, it was weird. I have this, like, I had this mantra while I was at Akata. I was like, I'm going to, there were days that I wanted to quit and just give up, um, and just, you know, go do something else. But I was really focused on growing where I was planted and I was trying to stick to that. Right. And growing and that, where you were planted. All right. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so Akata really gave me a lot of opportunities. Um, and it was really cause I, you know, I, I built a good relationship there cause I stuck around and, uh, um, yeah, I, 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 I I can't speak highly enough about it. If there's an opportunity up there, anybody listening, uh, go for it because they're they're great to work for. Yeah, I um, was, um, you know, I've I've used that product off and on for a number of years, and from when mm -hmm. it was White Pages Pro all the way through the Akata days, and it's really it had really grown a lot, you know, like to see mm -hmm. what it once was and then what it was becoming um, during the acquisition and everything. I think it's it was a, a really it's a very cool product. It's a useful product. I think like, especially with the data of the uh, identity data um, in uh, overseas is, is pretty mm -hmm. useful for, for companies that are in, a, in a, have an international presence. Uh, you don't get that a lot with some of the other ones and the data is pretty robust. So I think like definitely like the Ikata was, was is and has and was even like up to the, the MasterCard acquisition was, was doing the right things. So um, I, I also can't speak highly enough of that company. I think they're fantastic. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So really when it came down to it and it was like, Hey, let's talk about, you know, employment, um, I made them what I thought was a ridiculous offer. Um, and they said, okay. 
Um, so that Jeez, was, you should have uh, asked for more, huh? I should have asked for more. <laughs> Actually, I, I did ask for a little more, and I got a little less, uh, but that's okay. That's it. it. So, we all, we all, that, that's kind of the goal, right? I mean, you got to yeah. really shoot for the stars. But I think at, at that time, you know, and, and, and at this time, you know, like it's it's the right time to be doing that because, like, why not? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. kind of, it's all, it's all, it's kind of in the employee's court right now. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. And, and that's why I think like some of the, the, the interviews, like I keep seeing all the recruiter posts and everything on, on LinkedIn where they're like, you don't need 17 interviews in three months, you know, but like it, the last like few jobs I've gotten have always taken a lot of interviews in a lot of months, but why? <laughs> like, why? Why does it take that long? Like, yeah. why can't you have the conversation with the person like you have with Monica, you know, and she knows what you're capable of. You know, it's, it's even these, like, I, I've interviewed over the last couple of years at companies that knew who I was and they came mm-hmm. to me and were approached me. And then like I'm seven rounds in on panel interviews and I just don't know what well, these people have nothing, like they have nothing to do with what I'm going to be doing during my day. And they somehow have a say in if I'm going to be there or not. But, like, they have nothing to do with it, you know? I, I just think it's – it's it, that might be have gone a little too far and people might be getting a little too thorough. Like, check the reputation. Like, look, if I'm on panels and I have a bunch of these little articles posted and I got a podcast, you know, like, maybe – maybe I might know my shit a little bit, like just maybe. So maybe yeah. like a guy that, that, that stocks the lunchroom doesn't need to interview me to give his hot take on if he thinks I, I am qualified for the position or not. But that's just right. Me. Yeah. 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 Well, and you know, uh, you actually, you said something there. You'll be talking about like, I have these different things. I have these different assets. You put putting yourself out there. I think one thing that's important, you know, while you're at your job, uh, doing your thing. By, by the way, always interviewing is a good idea, even if you don't think you're going to leave, because you should always be thinking about what your next job is going to be. I mean, surely can... anybody listening to my to me right now, I've never interviewed with anybody. I'm very happy where I'm at. Just uh, <laughs> putting that out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, my opinion, personal opinion is, is it's, it's good to always be interviewing. It's good to always think about your next job. Um, don't, you know, uh, don't take every interview. But if something's interesting to you, you know, take it, even if you're not serious about it. Uh, because it's good to know like what that, you know, if, if you're qualified yeah. to get that next job. Yeah. I mean, and, and I um, joke and say that, you know, so people don't get mad at me about it, but like, I think that it, it's important. It's an important skill to maintain too, and to talk to the people. And like, you might not, it might not be the right fit, you know, but you never know where those people are going to wind up in the future. Um, they might be a recruiter over at like, you know, the next big thing. And mm-hmm. if you had a good process and you were gracious going through the process, you know, they might give you a call. The, the fit might not be there right now, but it might be there in the future, you know, kind of like yep. uh, OJ, like if, it, if the glove don't fit, quit. But hey, you know, right. maybe, maybe, maybe you'll get him on the next trial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And let's, and let's say if you <laughs> give him the next trial. Um, so, yeah, I mean, let's say like, you know, it, it's very helpful if, you know, the rugs pulled, rugs pulled out from under you, right? Everybody, most everybody I know uh, is on a contract for work that they can, it's, they can fire mm-hmm. you at any time for any reason. Um, they can also lay you off things out of your control, even if you're good at your job. And when that happens, it's, you know, it's good to have, you know, two or three people that, that already know you that they could call um, to, uh, you know, maybe get started on that next process. Whereas if you're going in cold, um, it's, you got to start tough. fresh, man. You got to maintain those relationships. You got to do all the, oh. yeah. it's a lot, you know, it's, it's just a lot. Yeah. Well, um, 
do you have anything else? Like, what, what you know? I always, I always ask this on this. What are your top three trends that are happening in your world right now? Just top three. You can just rattle them off. It doesn't have to. We don't have to go. I might ask you a question about it, but you don't got to go deep. <laughs> uh, top three that's happening in my world. Well, one of the things that's interesting, uh, kind of going to this this new leadership role. Um, I re- it's interesting that like people are reaching out to me to sell me products rather than me having to research them. Mm. Um, so so it's very exciting when you when you move I would. Up to- uh, Recommend switching your uh, LinkedIn to only like they must know your work email in order to even add you because you're just going to get blown up. VP in yeah. your title, you're going to get absolutely annihilated by things, and then they'll start calling your phone. It's just it's a hot mess. It's a hot mess yeah. when you're a decision maker. <laughs> that's that's good to know. I appreciate the advice. Uh, but if I if I want to know something rather than having to sit down and research it, I can just like send a you know salesperson a message, and they're going to like tutor me in it for like an hour, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, yeah. so that's, you don't even have to come prepared to the meeting. You can just turn on your Zoom and click on, and you're like, "All right, show me what this thing does." And like, yeah, they're exactly. more than happy to do it. And like, I, I, mm-hmm. I lead a lot of those. I'm like, they'll start you know with their whole. We have like 15 customers. You know, a lot of them. Like, here's a couple of marquee clients. I'm like, show me what it does, man. Like, let's see if there's yeah. even a fit here. Just skip all the fluff, and then I'll ask you about. It. I'll ask you who your marquee clients are later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, new tools. Uh, Right now, I'm uh, you know spending a lot of time doing uh, really just data cleaning, trying to you know coach uh, coach people on just like you know what what you need to do data analysis. Um, we've been collecting data, but not doing much with it. Um, and so you know, kind of that uh, uh, commu- communicating, um, learning to communicate these technical concepts is like is a, is a new thing. Um, like, why do I need this thing? You know, working at uh, previously where we we're, you know, selling data science, of course we need data science and we know how to do it. Um, and this is, uh, uh, you know, new, 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 new company, data science is new to them. Um, so we have to say, why do we need this data science thing? Uh, why do we have to, you know, invest these resources into making, um, you know, make, making the data look different, uh, or more easily accessible. So communication is a new big thing. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, man. Uh, first party fraud. First party fraud. First party fraud. And it's a uh, lot of liar buyer out there coming out of this pandemic. Right? And people Lie- didn't get that refund they wanted, so they're going to claim it was fraud now. Yeah, so, yeah. Get, build build me some robust data tools and some things that uh that can can detect me some liar buyer. And uh, you guys will be selling stuff hand over fist right now because we're losing more money on like refund abuse and liar buyer than we ever have been on fraud. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Well, thank you for your time. Um, I know it was kind of short notice for just so the audience knows. I literally pinged him this morning and said, hey, do you want to do a podcast with me real quick? And I kind of need it recorded today. So uh, thank you for being so perfect in such short notice. I really appreciate it. While you're traveling, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I got nothing to do. I'm sitting here uh, in a hotel room by myself, so it's perfect. I appreciate catching up with you, Jordan. It's always, uh, always a pleasure talking to you, man. You as well. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll be talking soon. Yep.